You're listening to Milwaukee Mafia, your weekly podcast dose of Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. I'm Eric Walterkins. I'm Gavin Schmidt. And we're back for an episode, and this episode, we promise, is about the Mafia. Yep. (laughs) For real this time. So, Gavin, tell us what we're talking about today. All right. So, we've been doing a lot of history uh, over the last few weeks, and uh, that was all important to get us up in uh, understanding the uh, area we're working with here. But this is actually the first real episode we're going to talk about some Milwaukee Mafia history. Woo! So, thank you for uh, sticking with us through all this non-Milwaukee Mafia stuff. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk today about a man named Vito Guardalabene. So, which is a funny name. Which is a funny name. And and uh, for those of you out there uh, who actually speak Italian, um, be warned that I am going to pronounce things terribly. Um, I say Guardalabene. I've had some people tell me it's Guardalabine. I've had different versions of how it's pronounced. So uh, my apologies to you if I, if I butcher some of these names. It's going to be an ongoing thing. Uh, just, just accept it. I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about it. He does have an email address where you can uh, just send him nasty emails all day. That's true. All right. So we'll just call him Vito for now. Just keep it easy. Uh, Vito was born in Santa Flavia. You might recall we talked about Santa Flavia. Yes. Okay. He was born in Santa Flavia way back in 1845. Uh, his father was Giovanni. His mother was Antonia. At this time, uh, the population of Santa Flavia was very small. Its mafia presence was said to be of a low density. That's what the local police said. They said, there's mob guys here, but it's not a big deal. Uh, But despite this, I don't think that we should underestimate how important the area was. Flavia was a port city. Uh, Nothing was going in or out of that area of the island without going through the port of Santa Flavia. Um, If somebody were to start a strike at the docks and said, hey, we're not unloading anything anymore, they'd shut down the whole region. So uh, this is, even though it's a small town, it's very, very important. Uh, just like most of Sicily's history, and Sicily is a crazy history. I mean, everybody ruled at one time or another. At the time that Vito was growing up, this was an era of unrest, pretty much the standard. Um, during his childhood, there were riots, there were battles in the street. Um, Sicily was actually run by the French, so they tried to overthrow the French. They briefly succeeded, but then nine months later, the French came back. When Vito turned 15, the island was invaded by a man named Garibaldi, uh, who had with him his 1,000 red shirts. They defeated the French in just three days, and they declared Sicily to be part of Italy which it is to this day. So while he was still a teenager, Sicily became part of Italy. Now, when the Mafia started is not known. We do not know this. Um, there's a myth that it started as far back as the Middle Ages. Uh, that's bullshit. That, that is not true. Um, personally, I think it started around the 1840s, so I think it started just before Vito was born. So what makes you say, like, what evidence do you have that it was definitely not in the Middle Ages? Well, it's not so much that I have evidence it wasn't in the Middle Ages as there's no evidence that it was in the Middle Ages. Yeah, like, we know for sure that it was up and running by the 1860s. That's, we're 100% confident on that. 
I like to think it's closer to the 1840s because I don't think it'd be as big as it was by the 1860s unless it was around in the 1840s. And then other people who tend to think it's probably even a little earlier than that, maybe 1810, 1820s. Um, but almost no serious researcher thinks it's earlier than that. There's, there's like the legends, the people in the mob are taught this, like this is an honorable society. We've been doing this for a thousand years. And, and, and that's a story they tell themselves, but it's probably crap. It just makes them sound more important than they are. Uh, so yeah, by the time Vito was growing up, uh, this was actually a really good time to be coming into the mafia. And it's probably why it sort of blew up in that era. Because once the French were kicked out, there were all these new opportunities. All this land was coming into the hands of the actual local people. And you could, uh, what, when your primary way of making money is extortion, it's good when you have new landowners around you. So the big thing there was, was lemon production. Uh, there was, uh, at, the, at the time Vito was born, there were 400,000 cases of lemons exported from his town each year. And then within a few decades, it was 2.5 million cases. I mean, just an insane amount of lemons. And I think we touched on this a little bit with the Santa Flavia episode, that people would offer protection to be like bodyguards so nobody would harm these groves. Right. And I'm pretty sure this is how Vito wound up in the mafia is through this, because he was definitely growing up in this very strong lemon growing region. This would have been the key way to get in. So, so he got into it being a protection. Yes. Yeah. Protections. Yeah. That, as near as I can tell. Now, granted, none of that is 100% because we don't have the records. So. It's all speculation, but it's most likely what he would have done. Um, the only other thing that they were really doing in that area was cattle rustling. So he could have been a cattle wrestler, but it's far more likely he was in the in the lemon groves because that was sort of the big thing. Explain cattle wrestling. Just just stealing stealing other people's cattle. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. So um, so he ends up he marries a woman named uh, Josephine Alioto. Uh, just keep that in the back of your mind, because the name Alioto is going to come up many times in future episodes. Uh, you may have heard that name, maybe. No? No, no not off the top of my I'm sure I have there's heard a, it. There's, but... a, there's a restaurant in Milwaukee named Alioto. Oh, so okay. That will come up. So there's, there's a bunch of uh, police reports that sort of came out, uh, and they, identified, they were able to identify 670 members of the mafia. That's a pretty fair number, 670. Or something that's supposed to be secret. Uh, and, a, and a fair amount of these are working in the lemon groves. They were able to name some of the bosses, some of the people working under the bosses. Uh, most interestingly, in that area, in that region, they were able to find eight Catholic priests who were members of the mafia. I want to step back a minute. So you're telling me that somebody found, so the police found records or whatever, that they were able to identify 675 members of the mafia and this is in Sicilian or Sicily. Sicily. Yeah. Sicily. Yeah. Okay. So I, I didn't you say that the population of Sicily was only like three thousand people? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I was like, do do I re remember that incorrectly? No, what? no, Sicily has millions of people. Oh, okay. Oh no we're, we're jumping there might be that, that Santa Flavia. It's Santa Flavia, okay. Yeah, I'm confused. In, in Milwaukee there were only a few thousand Italians. But no, there's millions of people. Oh, okay, okay. My bad, my no, bad. That's, no, that's good. <laughs> it's good. So, yeah, so this is a pretty, 
this has gotten out of control. If you've reached the point where you have eight Catholic priests who are in the mob, you know the mob is something pretty serious. And, you know, about the time late 1800s, they're coming over to Milwaukee. Uh, the Sicilians uh, reached Milwaukee first in 1884. That's pretty early. Uh, but most of them are coming over around 1900. Vito comes over in July of 1903. So he's very early on. Uh, I mean, not 1884 early, but 1903 is pretty early. Because, uh, like, the big boom is more like the 1920s. So he beats the boom. But what we know is that he already sent some people in advance to get things ready for him. So was he, like, a boss in Sicily? And then, and then just kind of said, okay, I'm going to go to the U.S. and create this mm-hmm. a new mafia, whatever yeah, they call again, it. Again, again, we don't know this stuff for sure because these records don't exist. My presumption is that he isn't a boss. If he's a boss, he's probably going to stay in Sicily because he's already got his own thing going on there. But he's probably a high um, something. Yeah. The opportunity is given to him or he just sees the opportunity of going there and starting something. Yeah, my, my thought is that he's probably... A captain, because if you remember when we talked about the structure, traditionally the captains would have ten guys under them. That's my assumption, is that he was probably a captain, he had his own ten guys, and they were going to break off and come to Milwaukee. And, you know, maybe they were going to report back to Sicily, maybe not, I don't know. Um, Because they still, you know, a lot of the people still sent letters and money back and forth because they all have family members back in Sicily, so there's still that communication. Do you know anything along the lines of, so like, if he wants to bust off and go to the U.S. and start this, mm-hmm. would I, I would assume he, he's kind of got to get clearance from the boss of, you know, his boss that's in Sicily. I presume he would. So would you assume, or do you know, are, is part of this, like, he says, yes, go, but you have to send me back money of some sort to compensate I for me know. losing one of my captains. I don't know. This is this is the, the worst thing about it is, um, you know, ninety nine times out of a hundred, I've got the records, I've got the police reports, I've got the prison reports, I've got the FBI reports, I've got all these reports, but I just don't have it for Fido. I just don't have his records because it's too early. Um, anything that does exist. Well, not every. There are a few things, but most of it's been destroyed, and there just aren't records in Sicily, at least not ones that are easily available to me. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this is speculation. There's things I know for sure, obviously, like I know who the members were that came over with him, and I know when he came over because we have ship records and that sort of thing. But yeah, exactly. You know what would have happened between him and his boss being like, "You're gonna represent me in the new world," or "Hey, good luck. You're on your own." I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, because but it seems logical because I don't think he would just say, "Yeah, go ahead, take ten of my guys and mm-hmm. and you're my captain, and I'm just going to lose a captain." Go, you know, like yeah. there's there had to have been some sort of arrangement made there to make that still, okay. Yeah, there was still some sort of a back and forth. Like I said, a lot of these guys are still in communication because there's so much overlap in family. Um, if if you recall, like. The majority of the people, the Sicilian people in Milwaukee, are from Santa Flavia. So almost everybody in Milwaukee has a brother or a cousin or a parent or somebody still in Sicily. So there's a lot of money and letters going back and forth. So it's not like they came to Milwaukee and they just, 
everything was brand new, they still had one foot in the old world the whole time. So you, would you say that this is this guy is the founder of the Milwaukee Mafia? I would saying that. Yeah. Okay. That's crazy. Put that in perspective. like. Yeah. So what makes him come over exactly? I mean, I don't know. Uh, a lot of the reason that guys came to America, besides the fact, you know, it was a land of opportunity and, and all that, um, a lot of them were running because um, Italy was trying to crack, they were always trying to crack down, but they were trying to crack down on this. And um, if you wanted to leave, if you were suspected of, of crimes or even something as big as murder, if you wanted to leave, they'd say, go <laughs> you know they were they were just as happy to see you leave than to, to lock you up just as long as you didn't come back so again i don't know that i don't have any record that he was suspected of murder or anything but that's how a lot of these guys ended up coming to america is because italy didn't even want them could have upset his boss mm-hmm. and there was a mark out on him to get him killed and he's like and maybe even though all his guys were also in the same situation and he's like let's get out of here and then came came to here and just picked up right where they left off. Yeah, could be. The guys I know that came over, um, we got a man named Peter Belant or Peter Belante. He's, he's, it's Belant in America, but it was Belante before that. Um, he brings with him his wife and his children. Um, they ended up, We know that they're very close because two of Vito's kids married two of Peter's kids. So they're a very close family. Um, and together they also ran a small bank. Uh, and the bank they ran in Milwaukee uh, is questionable. We'll definitely say that. Um, you know, you, it was good to have a bank. You needed a bank, but um, you knew who was running the bank. So it wasn't just, you know, you had to pay them back because it's the bank. You didn't want to upset them. <laughs> so he's got this He's got this banker guy who works with him. Um, he's got his two sons, uh, Giovanni Batista who went by Pete and Angelo. And Giovanni Batista is going to come back. Um, actually, they're both going to come back when we do get to the garbage episode. So, nice. so dropping that line, the garbage episode will be there. Yeah, so they're coming over. Um, another uh, son-in-law comes over, a man named Isidore Aiello. He comes over. He's also related to uh, mob guys in Chicago. So he's got that going for him. He's a son-in-law of the Milwaukee mob bus, plus he's related to the Chicago mob guys. So a big plus for him. And then also in his group is a man named Nunzio Miniachi. And Nunzio is connected uh, to the mob and he's also connected to local politics. Uh, His brother-in-law is the local uh, Republican Party chairman, I guess, runs the local uh, Republican Party. So he's got that going for him. And he's got 10 sons, and of his 10 sons, we know three for sure end up getting mixed up in the mob. So he's got a whole other generation coming up behind him. And uh, and they're, uh, at least two of them are going to come back at some point in our story because one of them ends up getting killed, and the other one is the target of a car bomb but survives. So so that's at least two more stories there. Uh, you know, exactly the details of, of what causes him to leave Sicily and come here is unclear. Um, it apparently was in the works for a while, because like I said, like all these guys who were directly under him, they come over um, between like five years and six months before he does. So they're already sort of setting it up. So when he comes over, he's got his crew ready to go for him. 
It's not like he comes over and he's like, well, now what do I do? I don't got anybody here. No. This was a five-year process. It almost seems like this wasn't planned out. Because it, yeah, I, maybe it wasn't. yeah, it feels like it would have taken, it wouldn't have taken them five years. They went to send somebody over five years to start setting up before the quote-unquote boss got here. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe not, but also this is a different time, and immigration is a slow process. That's very true. Because, yeah, now, you know, you, you come over and you do what you can, and you're hopefully going to succeed. These guys, a lot of times what would happen is they would come over by themselves, stay a year, raise money, and they'd go back home. Then they'd get their wife that's been sitting back in Sicily for a year by herself bring her back the second time and then try to make it go again. So sometimes just coming over took two or three trips until you were financially set to really try. Yeah, so, so that makes five, sense. So five years sounds like a long time, but if you're going back and forth and this boat trip, you know, it takes a couple, I don't even know how long, you know, a couple weeks to a month, I guess. Yeah, probably at least. Yeah, so it's, it's not, it's not like you just, you fly over yeah. and you set, set up and you're like, okay, I'm here. It was a real process. So, yeah, that's that's how uh, Vito uh, sets up shop in Milwaukee and uh, gets the whole ball rolling. So, hey, from here on forward, we've actually got crime stories. <laughs> We're going real deep into Milwaukee. We're going, yeah. <laughs> You're all, you're all set, set up to hear, hear the good stuff. Yeah. So, with that, I think we'll... Actually, you should plug your email address so sure. people can contact you if they have questions comments they want to tell you how badly you murder italian names yes which i do uh, i'm getting better but it still happens uh yes yeah, so if you've been paying attention i have been rocking the yahoo but not anymore yeah so we can't make fun of him for that anymore unfortunately i now have my very own email at milwaukee mafia at gmail.com that's just one word there's no dot or dash or anything just milwaukee mafia at gmail.com. So hit them up. I'm waiting to hear everybody's feedback. Yeah, Th- me, too. me too. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Catch us next week on another episode of the Milwaukee Mafia Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Milwaukee Mafia Podcast. Join us next week for another look back at Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history.